Hi, this is Kale Ward. And this is Jessica Burton. And this is... Gone Global! You're not going to say it with me? Say it, say it with me. Ready? One, two, three. Gone, Gone Global. Global! Yay! Yeah, you're right. That was fun. Yeah. That was good. We should do that. Um, so we got a shoe storage system that you don't use, but I've I've sort of come around to the idea of not wearing street shoes in the house. Mm-hmm. And um, so I'm wearing my house shoes to record. Yeah. And I do not like it. Oh, it, weird. It makes me feel so unprofessional because I, I, like for me, this is work, right? Right. So I, so I always wear my sneakers, my tennis shoes. So I hate this. <laughs> so it's real weird to, you probably shouldn't tell people that you're naked too, right? Yeah. Well, that's I mean, more that's professional to you. Yeah. Yeah. Never wear pants at the desk, <laughs> you know. Just the the benefits of working from home. Sure. Um, did you learn anything this week? Besides how great I look naked. <laughs> <laughs> um, I already knew that. No, I I had a frustrating week actually. I had a lot of IT problems, so I didn't make any progress really in my work. I hate clowns. I hate clowns. Boof. Yeah. Um, it, the clown. It. Oh, Pennywise. okay. Okay, I see. Um, I'm trying to think, actually. What did I learn? I... Oh, this is... Okay, I'll go. Okay. I have two. Okay. So hopefully somewhere in between I can these things you can yeah, yeah, come yeah. up with something. Um, I just learned that Legendary, the, the movie company, yep. um, is creating a a new kaiju for godzilla to fight in the prequel comic book series for the upcoming movie godzilla king of monsters okay it looks interesting okay uh they've only released the cover promo images Mm -hmm. of of godzilla in front of this thing and it has like a it has a bit of a spidery crab look to it okay but it's very kind of shrouded in fog and shadows and stuff so we don't really know what it looks like but i think uh i think it's interesting i think it's cool yeah that Um, is cool i'm always just a fan of big new monsters Mm -hmm. um the new hellboy movie has one too i don't i don't know if you i would consider it a kaiju because it walks in the water and it's bigger than like the london bridge or whatever right but i don't know what the hellboy universe calls it okay cool um nope i still cannot think of anything so i'll just i'll just do an uh a fairly easy one we both learned together which is kind of the point of the show so that's nice um the the path along the train tracks goes directly to my university so i could cycle it if i wanted to oh that one (laughs) i thought you were gonna say uh, we both just learned that you shouldn't walk onto other people's private property. Oh yeah, so we're recording this on a Sunday, and we just got yelled at because we accidentally walked on a path that was private property. So the the guy came out and chatted. Well, he yelled first, and then he chatted for a good like twenty minutes. So we felt really, really bad about it. I just genuinely didn't see. And then, and then he kind of turned it around because he found out that I was American. And then Trump was my fault. I don't know. Yeah, it was weird. It was, it was a, whole a strange thing. conversation. No, I wasn't going to say that. But yeah, thanks for bringing that up. No problem. Um, so my second thing, 
I learned is that yesterday was Texas Independence Day. Oh, okay. Um, so congratulations, Texas. Yeah. Uh, so who goes first this week? I think it's you this week. I go first this yeah. week? Yeah. Oh, snap. Okay, so the topic last week was food. On The mm-hmm. the topic that no. we spun on the wheel was food. So this week's is so food. So this week is food. So I am going to introduce you to what my grand, my Grandpa Sam called the Georgia Lunch. Okay. So now, when I was a kid, I, I remember one particular Saturday morning that I went somewhere with my Grandpa Sam. Uh-huh. I don't remember where we went or what we were doing, but I do specifically remember that we went to the local gas station, the Toot and Totem. Um, Excuse me? The Toot, the, I'll say it clear, the Toot and Totem. So like toot and like farting. How, did, how <laughs> dare you say this on this podcast? I didn't say trumping because that we, word has been ruined for me. We do not go blue on this show. <laughs> so, um, this... The toot and totem. Right, 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 right. right. The toot and totem. I can picture exactly which one in our town, too. Like mm-hmm. I know exactly. I could pinpoint it on a map. And we So we stopped and we got a Coke. Uh-huh. Now, this is a frequent source of contention between us in my part of the country. When you go out for an errand or a drive or whatever, you uh, you stop, you get a Coke. Mm-hmm. Um, it's a tradition. Mm-hmm. It's an American staple. Mm-hmm. So that's what we did. What was different about this time was my grandfather got a package of peanuts. Okay. He tore the peanuts off and he put the danged peanuts... In the Coke. Weird. And he called it a Georgia lunch. Uh-huh. Okay. So now I'm going to make you try it. All right. All right, so. I'm very scared, but intrigued. I got you a Coke. Okay. Because that's sort of original recipe okay i have a dr pepper okay because i'm from texas and dr pepper okay i see it is actually an imported dr pepper too it's a british one so that's that's one thing i want to put forward is if this doesn't work it's europe's fault because these are no it's not the fault of putting peanuts in a coke these are european (laughs) uh recipes and um which means it's got less illegal stuff in it right so obviously it'll taste worse right um so what you do is you pop this bad boy open i can do that and you drink a little bit cheers you're gonna want to drink more than that don't tell me what to do (laughs) you open the peanuts like a big boy that's right oh this is so weird Oh, they're not going in. <laughs> Is there a set number you need to put in? Or? No, I could probably stop now if I wanted. Don't mind me just eating the ones you're dropping. So I can remember how good peanuts tasted before I put them in Coke. And how weird it was. Anyway, I'm going to put this in front of the mic so you can hear the, the awful plop that we are literally pouring peanuts into a bottle of Coke. 
So you hear that? You hear that fizzing and that flopping? That is peanuts going into over, the coke. All over the And desk. also all over the table, but that's snacks for later. So that's it. So now, so now the idea is you want to drink it while the Dr. Pepper is cold and the whole thing is fizzy and everything's still crunchy. Oh. Cheers. It tastes exactly as you would think Coke and peanuts taste together. Just super weird. Not necessarily bad, but mm. really bizarre. Mm. So this supposedly is an American tradition. I didn't know at this point in time. And I would I would even go as far as to call this the one experience that my grandpa Sam and I really shared and it was really cool. There's not like a a solid origin point for this snack. Various food blogs have jumped on the trend and haven't really been able to nail down where it started. But various grandparents or the grandparents of people our age in the American South. Mm-hmm. Is it, because I imagine there's quite a bit of protein in it and energy, is it kind of like a something for workers? So, yeah, you're jumping ahead a little bit, but okay. around the um, the 1920s, packaged peanuts were sort of mass-produced, and mm-hmm. that's where they all kind of came from. Mm-hmm. That's where the idea came from, I think. Workers who, you know, like couldn't go clean up, didn't have the time or the the facilities to go wash up to go have lunch, would go and grab a packet of peanuts and a Coke. And it's a very easy thing to do Mm -hmm. with just one hand Mm -hmm. um, for smoking or working. (laughs) For smoking. Yeah. Classic. Yeah. Gotta have a hand free for a cigarette. I'm sorry, I'm making awful noises, but... There's peanuts everywhere, and I cannot stop eating them. Not the ones in the Coke, actually. I'm, I'm... Yeah, you're supposed to be drinking them. Yeah, I know, but the, the, the ones on the table taste so good. In, uh, in 2013, an article called Coke and Peanuts, a food historian speculates on how it got started by Rick McDaniel from the Coca-Cola Company, said that folks from Texas to the Carolinas partake in the sweet, salty goodness, while the custom seems to seems to peter out in Virginia and then disappears completely by Maryland. Interesting. So it's not an American tradition, really. It's a... Southern American tradition. Yeah. Interesting. Yeah. Which is also, you know, history of a lot of, like, railroad workers, uh-huh. Uh-huh. a lot more kind of manual labor. Interesting. Like we said, there's no there's no written record. The first package of peanuts may have been poured into a glass bottle of Coke as early as the 1920s. Mm-hmm. Uh, packaged, already shelled peanuts from planters, and Lance and Tom's began showing up in country stores and filling stations where the familiar contour bottle of Coke was already being sold. Yeah, so you pour the peanuts in the Coke, every, everything stays clean. And like I said, the idea is to drink it before the peanuts make it all go flat and okay. the peanuts get soggy and gross. Yeah, that is a little weird. So, you want to try it in a dark pepper? Sure. Same, really. I think the first time I did it, I did it with orange soda. Weird. I gotta say, this is way better. I, I have trouble getting the peanuts. Like, my lips just filter them out almost, <laughs> and I just drink the Coke with difficulty. But I mean, I mean, maybe with, in the olden days, with the glass bottles and the, the what's the word? The, the top, the opening, mm. being a little wider. You know what I mean? The neck of the bottle. Like, maybe with that being a bit wider, it would be a bit easier. But think, with, like, these plastic balls, it's actually quite difficult. I think they were thinner. Mm. And they, I think they did it with the, the longer neck glass bottles, yeah. too. 
Because we just had a lot of trouble putting them in, and I feel like yeah, I blame- one-handed it would actually be quite difficult. I, I blame it on these. Uh, we got a bigger bag of peanuts. Usually they have the, they're the thinner ones. Mm-hmm. Yeah, like the single, single packets, but just yeah. a snack. And you just tear it off and you kind of make a, ideally you make a, mm. a funnel with your hands okay. so it doesn't go everywhere. You know, I don't think it's something I would do regularly, but it's not so bad. I can, I can understand. Worth a try. The historical context between it, behind it. And actually, going back, I've just remembered, I did learn something this week. So I had a lecture that I attended about um, historical recipes. Hmm. And so this guy had done a PhD on extrapolating recipes from old newspapers. So, and it was just the first step. But you can, he said, he was like, you can see trends in recipes and what's popular and what's not. Like in Germany, the Netherlands, which is where he based his research, pineapples first became available. So he was like, there was pineapples in every single recipe. And some of them that today we'd be like, that is so gross. But like pineapples and baked beans and stuff. Because it it was the first time that they were being imported, and everyone was like, "Well, we'll just put some pineapples in there." That actually doesn't sound that bad to me. <laughs> but yeah, and that's why you know, like, if you have like a gammon steak, a, a, like ham steak, a ham steak, yeah, you usually have an egg and a pineapple on top of it, and apparently that's where that came from too. They were just like, huh. "Well, we'll put some pineapple in it." Interesting. Yeah. So yeah, I did learn something, I guess. Um, just to round this out. I don't know where the name Georgia Lunch came from. Probably from Georgia, right? Well, I, I looked around. I, I did some some deep Googling, meaning I went to the second page. Mm. Um, and I never I never could find a name for it. So. Huh. All right. Maybe so, that was a Grandpa Sam thing. Yeah, maybe. So thanks, Grandpa Sam. So that's, uh, that's a Georgia Lunch. Mm. Thank you, Grandpa Sam. Mm-hmm. I would be interested to try it again with mm. with the American recipes now that we tried it with the British ones, just to see the difference. Because the the British Dr Pepper does taste quite a bit different. I don't see any difference. So the the Coke is a European one. It's a Belgian one by the look, but the Dr Pepper is a British one. It's got an import label on it. The British Dr Pepper tastes very different. Mm. Well, all right, one to mine. So that's a Georgia lunch. Okay, so we've just taken a five-hour break Yep. for you to prepare yours. We watched an in, almost watched an entire uh, football match. Which is topical. It was Everton v. Liverpool. We didn't lose. That's something. That's something. For We haven't won in 18 years this match. But listen, This is you the didn't, big rivalry, so I'm okay you with... You didn't lose. I'm okay with not losing. That, that is fine. Nil-nil was the game, so it wasn't... Particular exam. But yeah, between that, I have been preparing something for you. And like I say, very topical. Because what I would like you to try today is Scouse. So you've asked me several times, where does the word Scouser, i.e. a person from Liverpool, come from? And I never really actually knew the answer. Funny anecdote. When I first heard it, I thought it was... Scout. Yeah, so he was calling everybody scouts until somebody, possibly my uncle, was like, "Why are you saying that?" Yeah, it was. Yeah. It was pretty funny, but I just let it happen because it was very entertaining. But so, scouse is actually a stew type dish. Huh. Okay. So it's 
Now, it's very like a stew. I'll probably be shot for saying this. It is pretty much a stew, but it's made in a special Liverpool way. So we'll tr- we'll try it in a minute, and you can I-, I can tell you a little bit more about how it's made and kind of. But it does take quite a long time, which is why we had to have this long gap. Right. Um. But what I was reminded of it first of all by my friend Sally Dunmore, who is. Mm. Very Scouse, my my Scouse queen. She reminded me that it was National Scouse Day on the 28th of February. So this is centred around the dish itself of Scouse. Um, It was set up by just a group of friends of an adventurer named Graham Hughes with him um, for his birthday as like a jokey Scouse answer to Burns Night, which is a Scottish celebration on the 25th of January where you eat haggis and read Robert Burns poems. So this was kind of like a... You made that sound way worse than Burns (laughs) Night actually is. No, no. I mean, it's a a tradition. So they they kind of made this as a joke sort of thing and then continued it and it actually went citywide because it is essentially the national dish of the city. So since then, it's become not just a celebration of all things of the dish itself, but also of all things Liverpool, including music, art, and cinema. So they have a lot of events going on on this day, poetry readings, cinema screenings, things like this, as a celebration of Liverpool. Mm. Over 100 bars and restaurants put scouts on the menu for one day only. Some of them obviously have it. So the cannibals go wild. Yep. Some some of them obviously have it all year anyway, but this is a big promo thing that they right. can they do that. They put it on the menu for a day. Um, the dish is served in schools, uh, hospitals around the city. That's what they have for lunch. Hmm. Um, it's even served. I didn't know this nationally on Virgin Trains, so um, you can get it for lunch on the train on National Scouts Day. Huh. So that was very exciting. Uh, it's now reached a point where it's super famous and it's sponsored by the Mayor's Office, the Liverpool City Council and both Liverpool and Everton Football Clubs. But it also is a force for good, raising money for some of the city's most needy charities, such as homeless and cancer charities, for every bowl sold. Basically, all the money they make or like 90% of it goes to charities mm. for each Scouts Bowl. Yeah. Um, and bowls of Scouse are also donated for the homeless. So yeah, Scouse is where Scouse comes from. But it's got a very long history. So, as I've probably discussed here, but I will again, Liverpool is a port city, uh-huh. and it was a huge economic hub for the early British Empire, for the early United Kingdom, as it were. Hmm. Um and the dish was bought, brought by sailors that were stopping because they had limited supplies on their ships and obviously they needed something hearty and easy that they could eat. So right. sailors would bring it, they would come into bars and they'd ask it to be made and it was a fairly easy thing to pass on because it's, like I said, it's essentially a stew but it's basically a meat, which is usually lamb or beef, because at the time, lamb was the cheapest thing you could get, so they'd use that. Potatoes and carrots is the main kind of dish of it. Right. 
it's sort of evolved now that every family has a slight different recipe. You yeah, can add different things. But what makes it a scouse is that you you stew it in a way that the potatoes sort of fall apart and it makes it like a really thick sauce. Interesting. Where So I tried to look up the difference because it, it's very, it's a very thin line. But stew can be anything that's stewed for a long time. Right. Scouse is this particular way of making it so that the potatoes kind of fall apart, as does the meat. It makes the meat really tender because you cook it for a long time, so it sort of like melts in your mouth kind of thing. And it, like I say, brought by the sailors, it proved popular with the local poor population because it was an easy thing to do. And the word itself, scouse, um, comes from several different places. So it came from Norway, Sweden, Denmark, and Germany. But the food historians say that traditional Liverpool scouse is closest to, to Norwegian lapscouse. So that's where the word comes from. It's, it sort of gets anglicized into lobscouse, which is kind of like meat stew. Oh, interesting. Okay. Um, but there's various pronunciations of that lapscouse, lobscouse, things like that mm. from these countries. Mm. And it first appeared in the 1700s and has been associated with the city ever since, which is where its inhabitants get its name. So, would you like to try some? Yeah. Okay, interesting. It's a lot more, um, it's got more consistency than a stew. It's not quite, it's not quite as like liquidy. Yeah, and, like. and that's the point of the potatoes. You cook it for a lot longer so the potatoes sort of dissolve into it. Mm. And it makes it a thicker, stodgy thing. It's for yeah, for a lack of a better word, it's got it's got more of a goop to it. Yeah, it's it's a stodgy, and that's kind of its origins. It needs mm. to be fueled, as we were talking about with stick, the peanut coke, like something it, to stick to your ribs. Yeah. All right. Bon appetit. Dink it and sink it. Yeah. Hmm. Yeah. So you kind of get the the like I said, the meat sort of falls apart. So you get bits of meat and potato is sort of the sauce as well yeah um you usually would have it with like crusty bread so i've got some just regular just bread regular old bread regular bread because you know do what you can um like i said you can eat it various ways it's become a thing that people have traditional family recipes that they yeah. pass down my, my granny does a better scouse than you well, do. Well, exactly. So on National Scouse Day, they hold competitions. Oh, it's like a chili cook-off. Uh-huh. I think I know what that means. Yes. I assume it's the same thing. My dad, weirdly enough, has ketchup with his... It's bizarre. Ugh. <laughs> you know, each to his own. No. Mm. No. Yeah, this is good. Yeah. So this is the national dish. Um, hmm. Apparently, my nan's is really good. Linda, I've never tried it. Will you make it for me? You've never tried it. I've never tried it. <laughs> well, the thing is, like, so we don't really have dinner with my nan. Like, we tend to go over for like a cup of tea and a biscuit, but you don't really like. We don't really eat together as such. Wow. I think wow. I've I think I've tried my uncle David's. I bet that's tremendous. I bet that's because yeah. he's a very very good cook. Yeah. Um. But yeah, I I will admit I did have a little mishap. Because the potatoes weren't going the way I wanted to because I bought, you know, the little little potatoes. Little, little spuds. That are a bit harder. 
Okay. So they didn't quite cook as I wanted them to, so I turned it up, and then we called your sister, uh-huh. and I burnt the pan. But it's, it's okay. I managed to save it. They do. They taste great. But this is very on brand. Now, mom, of you listening, forgive me for saying this, but it's very on brand with family cooking, because my, my mom does things like that all the time. So, Oof. you know... I'm keeping a family tradition going. This podcast was not supposed to put family members on blast. No. Well, Man, this is really great. Mm-hmm. Wow. Mm. Um, you can customize it, put kind of more salt, more pepper. Mm. People also do Worcester sauce. Sure. It's like a Liam Perrins. Do you know what that is? No. I can't. Maybe I'll have to do a Worcester sauce episode because I don't entirely know what it is either. Worcestershire. Yes, that one. You know, I... I wonder if soy sauce would work in this. That's what I was thinking, yeah. You want to try? It does have a very um, sort of base flavor, Mm -hmm. you know. um, It is, it can be quite blunt. Yeah. And I think possibly because I kind of salvaged it a little bit, maybe some of the flavor got (laughs) burnt into the bottom of the pan. I didn't do it, it's fine. Wow, what is it? So I made it with beef because, like I say, lamb used to be the cheap option, but now it's kind of turned to beef, so... Mm. Generally, you do it with beef, mm. but llamas. I don't think you can do it with chicken. It's not not quite the same. Yeah, chicken's so much lighter. Mm-hmm. All right, what an episode! Food is great. Food is great. I think it's time to spin the wheel. It's time to spin the wheel. All right. Jess's choice. Oh, interesting. So does that mean I have to choose now? Um, or we decide in the week and I, I let you know. I have my people call your people. And... That might be the best way to, to go, yeah. See if we can uh, arrange, uh, you know, another meeting. Yeah. Um, yeah. Another meeting. Yeah, I'm pretty swamped this week, though. So yeah. I think meeting outside of this is going to be tough. <laughs> okay, interesting. I will have a think then yeah. And, yeah. and see. All right, well... That's the food episode. Yeah, this has been Gone Global. If you are looking for more content from me, you can find me at Toto in Toe on Twitter and Instagram. That's T-O-T-O-I-N-T-O-W. I also do a comics podcast with my pals, The Comics Pals. You can find it on uh, Apple iTunes um, and anywhere else podcasts are sold. And you can find me on Twitter at Jan91, J-I-N-91. That's it. Okay, bye. I'm going to finish eating this now. Don't forget to turn off the oven. Oh, oops. There goes our house. Okay, I gotta go. Bye.